2: same time it holds up on its own exactly you can walk into it you can never have read a Stephen King book it's very accessible good little mystery for people to solve
1: mm-hmm yeah I'm, a, I'm gonna crush the other two when I get when I get home tonight is only three oh yeah only three have been released three so, so far. far yeah Every Fucking Wednesday. Bastards.
0: yeah yeah I'm about halfway through the third one right now so probably after you guys leave I'll finish that up and then sit around and go well shit I got two more days before the next one comes out
1: <laughs> yeah so, um uh what was I gonna say oh um so I wonder if there's going to be any reference to the original sheriff that got killed during the dog. You remember? Because he killed the original sheriff. I can never remember that sheriff's fucking name. Yeah, Um,
2: one of two. Yeah. yeah. The other guy. The other other guy, guy, yeah. Yeah.
0: It wouldn't be hard to make even just an offhand reference. And and how easy of a, a catering to your fan base is that, that you can make some reference to a character Offhand, and then everybody's like, "Wee!" Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's so good. And I feel like that's what Castle Rock is—is is it's just going to be a bunch of those strung together, while telling an original story, interweaving some Stephen Kingness in there.
1: Yeah, and and then bring uh, you know, including Sissy Spacek, who is not Carrie, but who is just a nod to Stephen King. Again, it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's, it's all kinds of fun stuff. It's a good show, well, and the tone time. is awesome, man. Yeah, I
2: mean, we're owed this one after the mist.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't I, even watch that series. I
0: watched like two episodes of it, and it was just, it didn't do anything for the me. The gore is on point. The drama is not.
1: Yeah. Oh, you mean the whole humanity losing its fucking mind and turning on each other thing? Yeah. That whole thing's not yet, yeah, you know. Like the whole basis of that story? <laughs> exactly. Like what it's, what the real message is there? Yeah, yeah that that yeah. was lacking, huh? That, that Frank that Frank Darabont just fucking portrayed the shit out of in the goddamn movie?
2: The movie's wonderful, so right? there's no reason to turn it into a low-grade drama on TV. That was the hard part Seriously. with thinking
0: of... Um, the pitches for this episode is that I didn't want to just uh, just go with Frank Darabont. I mean, I'm not going to be mad at anybody that made that decision because, duh, you know that's that's a that's a no brainer for any mm-hmm. kind of Stephen King adaptation. But mm-hmm. I was like, no, I got to think of somebody else, and I, I came up with somebody I think is a, a solid choice. But um, speaking of which, <laughs> welcome everyone <laughs> to this episode of Smack My Pitch Up tonight. We're going to do something slightly different than our normal Smack My Pitch Ups. We are talking about Stephen King books and stories from Stephen King that we would like to see adapted into film or even TV if we really wanted to. And uh, we're not talking the ones that have been adapted previously, although I'm sure we'll make mention of those as we go along. We're talking about the stories that we've come to know and love from Stephen King over his long career, an expansive career. He's got so many stories, so many books that are out that it's near impossible to consider all of them as something that could be adapted, and some of them probably shouldn't. He did a lot of cocaine.
1: Yeah, uh, at different Dude, points. Dude, yeah, his life. he did so much cocaine.
0: So, <laughs> some of these aren't ones that would really translate too well to screen, but a lot are, and just haven't yet because, unfortunately, there's almost a curse that hangs over Stephen King that it's few and far between that these adaptations end up being good. And so, what we're going to do is show up Hollywood in the next hour. On this episode of Smack My Pitch Up and come up with these great ideas for adaptations of Stephen King stories that have not been adapted yet. So, welcome to the left of me joining me. There are two guests with me today to help me along this. And each one of us, and this is the difference than normal, each one of us is going to come up with a different adaptation. A different story from Stephen King Woo-hoo. that we're going to adapt with both funny and serious choices on who to play in the roles and uh, talk a little bit about what we would do. Different from the story or the general story of each uh, each adaptation. To my left, you know him, you love him, the sexual chocolate, Mister Lowdown Brown MacGyver is here. What's up, guys? I had to have you on. Well, the the two guests I had to have on because you were both present for. Uh, well, Lowdown, you were on both Stephen King. Yeah, Pins? and
1: I uh, I hosted both of those.
0: You did host both of those, yeah. so it would be fucking stupid for me to <laughs> not have you on this episode.
1: I pushed for those so hard.
0: Yeah, and when <laughs> I mentioned this idea, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. done. Yeah, no, no problem." Yeah. Another that was not really when I had to twist an arm on. Uh, you were guest on. Was it the the? We did books? Stephen
2: King adaptations. Yeah, the, the adaptations. Okay, so yep.
0: you're primed and ready to go for this. We're Absolutely. talking Mike with a Y is here. <laughs> That's just going to be your name now on this. I like it. Okay. (laughs) It's true. It's accurate. It is accurate. So I'm very excited about this just to be able to talk about Stephen King for an hour. I mean, how much fun is that? So the basic way this goes for those that are unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up is that we'll each take a turn talking about the general overview of our story and we'll talk about what it's adapted from, if it's got the same name, uh, any kind of variances that we have to the storyline, give you kind of the basic gist of what the story is all about. Then we go around and we start casting the characters that we have in this story, both with a funny choice, not necessarily a comedy version of, but a stupid way to do this story. You know, the the director or the actors that are involved, just something that's completely idiotic to move forward. So something that Hollywood might actually attach themselves to. And then the serious choices, the ones that we think might actually work for real uh, in making this a, a real life movie. So, I am Mike the Hobbit Bigot, host of Smack My Pitch Up and uh, Geeks Under the Influence, founder of the Geeks Under the Influence Network, and uh, the general dad joker of uh, of the network, I guess, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, that pretty much solely, the, I feel like. The bane of everyone's yeah. existence. Well, it, the bad part is that, like, if when you're not doing it, the people that are doing it are just doing it better. That is
0: true. Yeah, I make sure I go for the lowest brow dad jokes humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you are interested in coming out and doing some trivia with me, we do that every first and third Monday at Fallout. And we also have some events coming up. August 19th is our Starship Troopers Geekified night. It's kind of anyone that's been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show screening where they're they're throwing rice at the screen and they're singing along and they're interacting and everything. It's kind of our take on that, but with Starship Troopers. So there's going to be scene reenactments, props, all sorts of craziness. August 19th from uh oh, what did i say 7 to 10 i think it's 7 to 10 um and it's free at fallout so check out guypodcast.com for information on that we've also got our next beautiful disastrous b movie night at strange ways brewing company on august 16th from 6:30 to 9 is when that's going on and uh we're debating between the theme being uh we're like nailing it down as we speak it's either going to be a vigilante road trip or Odd Couple Vigilantes as the theme. And uh, we'll give you more of that information here very soon at com. And now on to Stephen King. Yes. Did anybody actually cast Stephen King as any of the characters in theirs?
2: Oh, you have to. You have to put him in somewhere. He's like He's played like Bachman, The Fixer, all kinds of characters. Oh, yeah. All kinds of mediums.
0: I love when he guested on Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I'll take this lamp as payment. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking bizarre. <laughs> but he's an odd odd duck. And I mean, you kind of have to be to write the
1: stories that he's written. Yeah, but again, he's like, uh, you know, he's like Hitchcock. He's, he pops up in all his movies. Yeah. Pretty much for the most part.
0: Slightly bigger roles than Hitchcock had. Because Hitchcock just liked to walk in the background yeah yeah fair stuff, enough fair enough uh, where Stephen King occasionally will give himself not much line you know like just a line or two I don't know usually. Creepshow had a lot that's true he was actually one of the characters but that was in the height of his cocaine days too so <laughs> you could tell <laughs> He's fucking... oh Geordie Vero <laughs> <laughs> oh man I bet Stephen King and George Romero did blow together
1: like they probably and, did
0: and Savini and Sav- oh, yeah, definitely Savini. That's like a no-brainer like, there. Like, that's
1: three epic horror, ah, getting just skied up out of their fucking mind. That's amazing. I would love to just have a recorder in that room. Probably listening to Judas Priest and just,
0: like, <laughs> hanging out doing blow. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, man. Where's well, that movie? I just spent two
1: hours of them, like, yacked up and yelling at each other about horror. I bet in the documentary for Creepshow, there's probably some some recordings in there where they had already done the blow, and they were just little... You know a little too excited oh probably you know but I, I haven't watched that yet have you it's a it's a it's a, it's a release it's a creep show no documentary. i'll have to catch this yeah. yeah
2: it's too bad i did just recently learn that there was to be another stephen king and george romero um collaboration in the mid 2000s but it fell apart due to the untimely demise of uh mr romero
0: uh with the girl who loved tom gordon mm. well romero only died last year
2: yeah, the, I guess it was a product in development.
0: Okay. Well, I know he had health problems previous to that, so if it was something before, yeah. it might have been because of health issues that they uh, stopped production on it. There were a number of things that Romero uh, was looking to adapt that either uh, were in development hell or just never reached full fruition. Uh, he was supposed to be doing something with the creator of Rocky Horror Picture Show um, called Diamond Dead, where this rock band dies and then comes back and, and has to steal the souls of their crowd. Uh, And it goes around just like basically massacring giant crowds of people to come out to their shows never got made. It makes me sad, but Mm. me too. The
2: world is lacking for not having that film.
0: Yes, absolutely. Totally is. But what we are lacking currently is talking about Stephen King. I can go about Romero all day long Um, and anybody interested in that. Check out the smash talk I did on George Romero. You'll get plenty there, but we got to talk about Stephen King who wants to go first with their plot overview for their adaptation.
2: Sure, I'll start. Okay, Mike? I picked a Stephen King book that's brand spanking new and hasn't had a chance for anyone to botch its execution just yet. Okay. And I think the perfect way to do it would be to do the thing that like nobody's tried to do with a Stephen King thing yet. And uh, downplay the horror and bring the action up. The guy is a master of set pieces and these over-the-top battles, fights, etc., but it's all forgotten because it's all about the monsters in the sewer or the problems that we as humans pose to each other. So I would reimagine Sleeping Beauties into a big, dumb actioner. I think the time is perfect for (laughs) it. Yep. Uh, So uh,
0: for those unfamiliar with the story of Sleeping Beauties, what are we talking about here? What's the general synopsis?
2: It's kind of a stew of many of Stephen King's finer plot points. A plague threatens the entire world when all of the women of planet Earth fall asleep. They have these strange, mysterious cocoons that grow all over their bodies. If you cut them open, the women reawaken, but only long enough to rip your face off with their bare hands. At this point, the men, left to their own devices, seeing the eventual collapse of society, children of men style, begin turning on each other.
0: I thought you were going to say, fuck every bagel in existence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's some jokes about that oh, written sure. in the book as well. Okay. Um but there, there is exactly one woman uh left alive on Earth, uh an absolutely mad woman named Eve, uh who has the ability, it seems, to kill at will some supernatural powers, and uh yeah. No one can quite tell if Eve is the reason for this or the cure to it, and it's up to one small-town deputy to keep Eve alive from the hordes of men who want to rip her into pieces.
0: Don Knotts is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'd be a real surprise if he showed up for that role. Um, But... But yeah,
2: the Stephen King book meanders for some 750 pages through a world where it contemplates all sorts of kitchen sink horrors with families being torn apart by this happening, global pandemic levels, and of course, there's all sorts of supernatural mumbo jumbo in it. So I was thinking we could streamline this and basically turn it into a hybrid of a Fast and Furious and uh, superhero kind of movie.
0: Yep. So you're talking like road trip to get to the... The superhero girl to see if you you have to destroy her or use her to save the
1: world kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. That's, I like that. I, I do. I dig that. If I haven't read the book, that's one. I, that's one of the ones I haven't read of his newer material. So I, I I don't know how much of a departure that is from the actual tone of. Well, the, the novel. actual
2: one does end with an over the top battle at a prison, like with tanks, armored bulldozers, Vietnam era snipers, yes. homemade napalm. It's ready for it. Like, you don't need to worry about the horror elements. You don't need to consider the global pandemic. It could be the hurricane
0: heist of Stephen King books. Okay. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You know what? I I have a morbid curiosity about hurricane heist because it looks so unbelievably fucking
1: stupid. Well, that is a beautiful disaster.
0: That that looks like...
1: Makes Sharknado look plausible. It's ridiculous. Yes, it it's, does
2: have an element right out of Stephen King's Coke Mad '80s world. There's a sentient storm in it that has been hunting a dude for decades.
1: Yeah, are you fucking serious? I'm, ki- I'm not kidding. That's it's, in there. <laughs> uh, the movie, if you, it's it's one of those movies you watch for how bad it is because it's it's unbelievable. First well, really off, is.
0: what do you do to piss off a storm? Like, what did you do <laughs> that an entire fucking weather front is about to go fucking after you for 10 years? Like, motherfucker, I'm going to get my due. Like, the storm did- was
2: trying to destroy a tractor, and the guys prevented the tractor from being blown away.
0: Oh, that's that's some bullshit. That is, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so that's, uh, he was like, I really wanted to fuck up that tractor. That's really, yep. that was my main modus operandi, was uh, <laughs> getting that fucking tractor to the point where 10 years later, still pissed off about the tractor. Yep. All right, all right, well. I mean, so yeah, if you can do better than Hurricane Heist, I think you've got something there with Sleeping Beauties. Now, yep. uh, Lowdown, do you want to go next? with uh, Sure, sure. Okay.
1: Um, I picked the uh, the Talisman. Um, the novel was actually a collaboration between him and Peter Straub, but, um, I don't know, man, like I've read Straub separately and obviously I read a shit ton of Stephen King and it, it still just feels like a King book to me. I don't know how much of it was, was Straub, but like, I think he might've had more to do with just the expanse of it. Um, because it it is a, it is a horror fantasy and and it's not like the Dark Tower kind of horror. It's uh, it's it. It is a slightly different type of landscape. So I think he really might have came into play there more so, because some of the characters are straight up Stephen King. Like they're just fucked up and twisted and like. But there's
0: also yeah. more almost fantasy elements that come into play during the Talisman a little bit more than what I've understood the.
1: the yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the, 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 the vast landscape and, and, and the overall switching between worlds is I think a lot more where he came into play. Because so basically what you've got is I, I, I want them to do a damn good adaptation into a screenplay of the book i don't want the tone to be different i want a horror fantasy um because that's what that story is i don't i don't want to see it done differently okay. um uh you know uh young jack sawyer who in the book is 12 um him and his mother moved to this basically deserted hotel on the east coast uh it's in new hampshire i believe and um the, the father died so the family packed up and moved um they sold the father's part of the business to the business partner. Uh, and then the mother's really sick. She has cancer. And while there, there's like an old like fairground. Mm-hmm. And he finds this old black dude who gives him some elixir. that um He drinks. Is that is that how they pronounce it in the movie? Elixir. That's how I did it in my head when the black man said it. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> but anyway, so he gets... He drinks it and he transports into the territories is what the what the other world's called. But it's basically a para- parallel universe to a reality to ours. So so, so kind of like Florida. <laughs>
0: this is very similar. It's like it kind of is like the United States, but there's something off about it.
1: It's not quite right. Uh, the fucking humidity. The humidity is one <laughs> goddamn mosquitoes that'll fucking murder you. Floridians is the other thing. That uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all old. They're going to die soon. Everyone goes to Florida to die. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, things like everyone, all the retirees, like everyone to Florida, a retirement home, or just drink
0: themselves to death in uh, Key West or or some of the other parties,
1: Miami, Miami, Miami. Miami. Um. So, but in the territories, you have what's called your twinner, which is a, a an alternate version of you. Um. And so, in the in the uh, alternate reality, the alternate realm. Jack's mother is still dying, but she is the queen of the territories.
0: Speaking, of, twinner sounds like a like a sexual thing, like like sucking two dicks at the same time or something. I'm twinning. <laughs> I'm twinning. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, dude, that's just like it's, that's just
1: like where you run a train on her. It's tw- It's called twinning. She's taking the morning. Yeah, there we go. Twinning. <laughs> <just>, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Never a dull moment. All right. Currently, twinning is leading the charge on the name of this episode. <laughs> so basically, Jack goes on a, a mission to f- find this gem, the talisman, to save his mother. Um, he finds it in the territories and, and brings it back to the, you know, to the queen. It will save her. So, in the reality, it would save his mother. Okay. Um, along the way, he finds out that his father's business partner, uh, Morgan Sloat, is the one who planned his father's death because he wanted the business. Okay. He's a greedy fucker. You find that along the way. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of just dark landscapes. You have, like, these wolves that are, like, like kind of like the King's Guard, but they're so, like, bodyguards. And then you also have another pack of wolves that are, like, further out and like, the uh, out, out uh, the um, uh, what do they call them? The out, uh, outposts that are evil fuckers that will, like, murder the shit out of you because they're werewolves and uh, weren't trained. They're, like, mangy dogs. And um, he actually befriends one of the good dogs, and that's his companion through the whole travel from the east to the west coast. Isn't he known as, like, Wolfie or something? Wolf. Or- yeah. Wolf, okay. Um, yeah, so he's basically going from the east to the west coast, back bouncing between each, each reality to escape Morgan Sloat, who in the territories is, like, Morgan of Osiris or something like that, because he's trying to kill him as well. Um, so it's basically, that's, it's just a trek across America with your old pal, Wolfie or Wolf and, you know, trying to save your mama.
0: Nothing like a fantasy horror road trip.
1: Yeah. And I mean there's just tons of stuff in there that's just, I mean, they, they stop, they get, they get arrested and go to send to some boys home. And this guy's like a sadistic fucking like pederast, like piece of shit. So that you have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a whole there's a whole lot of shit they they that they have to deal with. Well, that's kind know. of the
0: hard part with a lot of these Stephen King adaptations too is that he doesn't write short books. I mean, he has. Oh. But a lot of these stories are like significant reads. Like you try to do the stand in one movie, you're being an asshole. Like that's yeah.
1: it's like an almost 1000-page book. Like that's Yeah, that's not that's not a, that's not a one movie thing. No, 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 no. no, no. no. And but, I mean, he's also he's so he's traveling uh, back and forth with Wolfie across the U.S. Meanwhile, you know, uh, he's a wolf in the territories. When he comes, you know, when he's in our reality, he is a human. He's actually a werewolf at this point in our reality. And um, he's, as, as the moon gets fuller, he starts to get more hair. And then, like, every time he breaks bad and turns to a wolf, he, like, locks Jack up in, like, a s- severely secure location where he can't even break in because he would just slaughter him. So there's all that. And, you know, there's that you're dealing with a fucking werewolf who's trying not to kill people and be a good wolf. <laughs> um, yeah I mean it's just a lot uh, there's a bond there's a lot of heart in it I think that's probably where a lot of straw came in actually I think about it Stephen King has heart but not like that
0: no exactly it's, he's it's, more it's, concerned on how he can fuck up his characters yeah exactly yes
2: he, he loves those big set pieces where otherwise ordinary citizens have horrible things happen to them yep. see Under the Dome it was just basically 400 pages of that before it even got into the actual plot elements fucking needful things man look what people yep. do for
1: stupid shit like, fucking picture of Elvis. That wasn't even a picture of Elvis. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> I mean, just, he, he really, uh, Stephen King harbors on the 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 horror of humanity yep. and what humans are really capable of in the in the end times and what, what they'll do. Well, that's why
0: you know? uh, him and George Romero uh, really liked working with each other is because one thing that Romero always said was that the scariest thing to him wasn't big monsters, it was your next door neighbor. You know? The, yeah, yeah. That that was the scarier part. And so that's what he tried to portray in his films. And Stephen King definitely... He writes that all day long. Oh yeah, long. absolutely. Now with some more, you know, s- fantastical supernatural elements than
1: Romero stuff tends to go, but uh, but it's still it, in in its heart is very similar. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and in the Territories, the reason why Morgan is trying to kill him is because he's the heir to the throne because he's the prince. Okay. And in rea- you know, and if, if he kills him, then he becomes the king when his mom dies. Blah blah. So it, it's 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 an awesome story if you love fantasy, if you love horror, the grotesque. I mean, it, it, it nails both. You know, it's it's definitely one you should read, and the sequel's really good too. Black House is a damn good book too. Oh and yeah, Jackson Adult in that one. So okay, yeah. All right, my turn.
0: I decided to go with an early Stephen King story, something that wasn't necessarily connected to the whole massive like mythos of Stephen King, uh, the Dark Tower, and Talisman, and The Stand, and all the stuff that kind of gets squished together into this like interwoven tapestry of Stephen King stories. This one is kind of a standalone and about the closest story of Stephen King's that uh, to this, I would say is the running man. But this is a uh, more of like a <laughs> more of a hunger games version of the running man, which uh, it's a story when, of the Bachman books known as the long walk. Yeah. Yes. And I remember reading this when I was like 13 or 14 years old, I think was the first time that I read it. And I was fucking blown away by it because I think part of, partly because I was a fan of Romero and the Slow Walking Zombies, there was such an impending doom feeling about it that it definitely translated into The Long Walk as well, that the basic premise is that in this dystopian future, there's this contest where uh, kids under the age of, I believe it's 18, are able to join in to, they write essays to be part of this thing called The Long Walk, or The Walk, as it's often referred to, and in this all the contestants start at the border of Maine and Canada and start walking south on a predetermined route. And basically, the last kid alive wins like a prize of his asking. Basically, virtually anything he wants for the most part. And so that's the basic premise of this. And then you follow this main character, uh, Raymond uh, Davis Garrity is the main kid who wasn't really that into the idea in the first place, but, like, his family's hard up. Like, there, there wasn't a lot of oper- options there and just kind of found himself in this position. And it follows him as he starts to interact with some of these other kids that are contestants in the long walk as they're walking. And the basic premise is they have to walk minimum four miles an hour, and they get warnings uh, up to, I think, it's three warnings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, kaputs, you're mm-hmm. you're killed. And there's also stuff that you cannot do. Uh, there's there's rules to it that you can interact with the people that are lining this road almost like it's a fucking marathon to watch kids get murdered. But that's, that's the dystopian future marathon, I guess, is, uh, is uh, kids getting shot in the face for not walking fast enough. Um, and so you get all these backstories of all these different kids as they're uh, going on this long walk together and all the different re- rationales and reasonings for them going on this long walk. And in the midst of it, they're developing um, sides. They're developing friendships and enemies along the way. People that are maybe in it for the wrong reasons or ant- um, pr- antagonists. They're they're just fucking dicks. And, you know, the kids bond together and find their own ways of dealing with this, like, issue while they have the longstanding issue of not being able to stop. There's no stopping. There is no you walk all day and then stop at night and sleep. No, you just keep walking. And so there's kids just straight up fucking dying from exhaustion. And uh, people are getting like, uh, getting, uh, pneumonia. And, um I mean, it's, it, and as this is happening, they're trying to drag their friends along, um minimum of four miles an hour. And some of them are just deciding to die with their friends as they go down. I mean, it, it gets fucking gruesome by the end of this story. And you're, you're rooting for the main character because that's who you're seeing the story through. But there are also very, good kids that are in the story that you're just seeing get put down one by one you're 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 it's not like he's the best kid there no he's just one of many that are part of this whole hurrah and uh and it it's just it's it really speaks to the uh the attitude humanity sometimes has at like slowing down for a car wreck mm-hmm. you know that kind of mentality of the morbid curiosity of the macabre. You mean the bloodlust of the, the human condition? Yes, the bloodlust <laughs> of the human condition. Much better way to put it. It's really an examination of that, and I always found that really fascinating. So that's, I feel like um, it, you could capture that in two hours. That's not an overly complicated storyline. You could definitely nail that down in a couple hours, and, and maybe an maybe hour and a half if you really wanted to cut it down and uh, still really get the spirit of the film. So that's what I went with
1: is the long walk. Um I do I do want to add in to that. Um I, I that was actually my first and I was like, oh because I just I that that's always a story that stood out to me like among all of the shit tons that I love that he's written. Like oh, of course that, just that even it, as dark as that is and involving kids, like that still stands out to me when he's written it. Like I don't know if you're right. It's just it's a fucked up story. It's a horrible premise. Oh, yeah. But like the thing that the reason they're doing the walk is because at the end they get whatever they want, literally whatever they want. The winner, and much like the Running Man, I mean, there's a lot of fucking poor people. There's a lot of people hard up in
0: bad places. Yeah. Um. One of the one of the kids or kids, he's like a young adult at this point, I guess l- late teens. Um, is has a kid. Uh, he he knocked up his girlfriend young, and basically he wants to do right by his kid. So you're now in this position, like fuck because there's like the main character guy that you're rooting for but there's also a dude that has like a wife and a kid and you're like so like that kid's not gonna have a dad yeah like if if, if you lose that and it's like fuck like you get so many of those moments where you're rooting for multiple kids but you there's one there's one that wins and it's like fucking painful at some points
1: and then you have the people that are just like uh getting shot for taking a shit literally yeah like
2: yeah, it really subverts the heroic myth in a lot of ways. These aren't, like, great competitors in the story who have the odds totally in their favor. No. It's not like Hunger Games where a lot of them have, like, superpowers with a bow and arrow or whatever. Yeah, right. They're just regular kids scared waiting to die for the most part. And it really does play up the body horror elements in it, too, where anything can happen. Uh, losing the skin on your big toe could mean the difference between life and death. Or a cramp. A, twi- a, a cramp. Fucking cramp. cramp. Or a toys. bowel cramp, as you mentioned, in one yeah. of his most horrifying scenes.
1: Yeah, oh God. it was. That it's was bad that was way to go. Bad. Yeah. Uh, no, that's definitely a, yeah, I would love to see that. But again, you know, it's it's got to be like, these are things we want done right. Like, oh, absolutely. We don't want the Night Flyer to happen again. Oh, God, no.
0: <laughs> fucking Tommyknockers.
1: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that that was <laughs> terrible. Sometimes they come back. Hey, I'll take that over the other two you That's true. Okay? That is true. Okay. That's Funny you pretty,
2: should I, mention that. I understand the Tommyknockers may well be coming back. Really? Yes.
0: The story's interesting. It uh, is. If it you could give work. It a good fucking adaptation, but that's the problem half the time with these. Stephen you need King to cut stories. the
1: book down by half.
2: Right. And that's yeah. the problem with so many of these stories. That's my take on Sleeping Beauties would be the exact same thing. It's 750 pages. You have a showpiece action thing. Just make it focus on the action. You really don't need the larger world to enjoy the cinematic experience for a couple of hours. And I think that's why, like so many of his short stories and novellas, have found such great success. The ones that have been adapted into some of the best things out there: Shawshank Redemption, Stand by The me. Body, exactly. Yeah, body. yeah.
1: Right.
2: It, it's more economical, and that's why the Long Walk would be just such a great one to translate to
0: that. I, yeah, I think it, it's something it's very approachable as as a film adaptation. But I agree. Uh, the the thing with these adaptations, though, is what makes or breaks it half the time is who you have helming. The, the film and uh, who you get to cast as uh, as the actors in this film so uh, let's go around and talk about who we are uh, looking to direct this uh, masterpiece, that, the masterpieces that we're creating and uh, who's going to be acting in it so uh, anyone want to go first or?
2: I'll start with mine since okay. I'm focused on the action there's exactly one man whose oh, Fast no. and Furious action can come to the table for oh, this. God damn it. <laughs> the best Fast and Furious director Justin Lin Mm. Okay. Right. The OG, Fast and Furious 5, some of the best ones in the series, and least insulting
1: ones.
0: He's the one that, he also did uh, Star Trek Beyond as well, correct? Yes.
1: Okay. Yes, he did. All right. Yes. Which was actually a fun movie. Yeah. People didn't give it any credit. No, I, enjoyed I, it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I did. The out
0: of it. it was a little much with the motorcycle. The motorcycle was a bit much. It's like, all right, <laughs> oh, you're was really, fun.
1: you're really trying to work that Fast and the
0: Furious bullshit in here, Exactly. Like, that was fun.
2: <laughs> well, it's the, it's one of the only Stephen King books that isn't Christine that has vehicles flying through the air, so
0: okay it works all right fair enough i could just see the argument with lynn and the producers of star trek beyond be like look he had a motorcycle in the first fucking movie he hasn't he's having a fucking motorcycle in this movie there's only so much i can do without a motorcycle
1: yeah no shit <laughs> straight up argument <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Fasten the motherfucking furious give me a goddamn motorcycle <laughs> So okay, so um, let's just run down it individually like our, our whole list because since we're not doing the same characters necessarily, it's probably better just to kind of do the run through. So do you do you have like a funny and serious uh, choices for these or um,
2: mostly yeah? Since it would be funny and dumb, I think the two are perfectly combined twinning together if you will okay um, and that eve needs sort of an it girl presence but also somebody who's able to commit to the role so i was thinking either a gal gadot for like the physicality of it would be wonderful okay or the unhinged margot Robbie version of harley quinn that oh, everybody Jesus. loved for the first 10 minutes of the movie before suicide squad went to hell <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I wasn't mad at her portraying Harley Quinn. I didn't like the way Harley Quinn was portrayed. I, and I think there's a separation there.
1: Yeah, because was, she was going off the writing. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah, there's I only know. so much you can do with, the, like, they are like, this is what you look like. And you went, okay. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> You're wearing a daddy collar. Really? <laughs> you know, this, oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd but, probably
2: like that character better, though, if she were able to, like, vomit butterflies onto people that, like, made their skin disintegrate and could snap her fingers and throw people around the room. So I think it would work for that kind of
1: film. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> That's right. a little more in the... Well, Butterfly is not quite Poison Ivy, but... Um, so are we
1: yeah. running down the serious or the or the, mock?
0: I figure we just um, kind of go through our whole swath. Okay, a, a cool. piece, Since they're different stories, you know, we want to keep it all together to not confuse the, the listeners. listeners. Yeah,
1: yeah. Fair I think enough. that's
0: a better way to go. So uh, who do you have for the other castings here?
2: Well, it's really just good guys and bad guys past that because okay. they don't really need personalities. Fair enough. Um, so, of course, we do like depends on what kind of budget you're operating with. If you got the dollars, I'd say throw the money at Jason Statham. Nobody's better at hand to hand combat on screen than that. But if you don't have the money, go with Ryan Quanten of True Blood. He's done that kind of role before. It'll work. Ryan, oh, this, is that the Hurricane
0: Kais motherfucker?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right. God damn it. It's the brother, right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And of course, like all good Stephen King stories, it has one old coot who served in a war way back then. His physical abilities may be gone, but he's still got that killer instinct. So that's our Stephen King cameo for okay. The all army right. sniper helping the good guys. Okay. I'm down. All right. Let's okay. get a spot
0: for it. Okay. Nice. Is that what you got? Yeah. Okay. Uh, easy okay. enough.
1: What do you got there, Lowdown? All right, man. Well, I'm gonna preface this with something. So the Talisman was actually greenlit uh back in oh eight. Uh well they started it in like I want to say oh six, oh seven, they started with all the talks and they actually had, there's actually a trailer out for the movie that was supposed to come out. A brief little uh sneak peek trailer like kind teaser of. Thing. Kind teaser teaser trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Steven Spielberg had, was involved uh then and he's still like in an interview I've read like uh, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago, he's still like, no, this is a movie I want to make, but with, like, you know, he was working on Ready Player One back then, now he's going right into Indiana Jones 5, which is probably going to suck. No, uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Wop, just, just, you know, hey, hey, keeping it real. And he, then he was producer on Jurassic World, so he was busy with that, you know. So my thing is, okay, I would love Spielberg to be involved with this, because he is good at the fantastical, right? Um, so I want him to produce this, because hey, that means tons of money too, which is always fun. Sure, um, but I want fucking J.J. Abrams to direct this shit. Okay, I want Abrams. He, Abrams will be able to n- nail. Because I don't need like the the, the the Talisman has horror and it has it does have some gory moments, but they're like not. It's not like entirely just intense like. Oh, Stephen King type you know it's because it, that's what I said it was Peter Straub too so it's not this all this intense Stephen King horror right and all this all this gore but Abrams will be able to do the dark and sinister because there's a lot of that in there mm-hmm. and that's really where I think he'd shine at, and he does do fantasy worlds I mean he, you know look at Force Awakens right look at the fantasy and monster and Super 8 like true I mean I think he could really he did Star Trek the first two like he could nail that vast landscape of, of fantasy so I really want him to to show that, and the new movie Overlord looks sick as fuck. By the way, that looks fucking fun. That looks super fun, right? Yeah, it looks so it fun. Um, so that that's what I got directing it. So main character Jack Sawyer. I'm gonna go with the um funny one first. Uh, so I, I went with completely wrong age groups. We're gonna make this like an adult <laughs> movie now. Who's trying to save like his really old mother? Um, we're gonna okay. go with uh, <laughs> Jack Sawyer being uh being Charlie Hunnam. He was okay. Hasn't done anything really good since specific Rim, and that was basically just Jack teller Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Steller, but instead of a motorcycle it's a giant rope. S- I mean seriously he has the same swagger that he did in Sons that of Anarchy that bullshit fucking <laughs> that swagger walk. I hate walk, that walk man. so much like, dude you're from you're from like uh, where, where is he from in England so he's like at a hoity-toity po- part in England like what are you sw- what are you swaggering with bro yeah. like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here um, for his friend Richard who uh, he does meet up with who's actually the son of Morgan Sloat who killed his father Richard Sloat is his best friend because they grew up together with their fathers being business partners Um, halfway through they go to the prep school that Richard's at and they get Richard to help him on the journey so Richard would be Zach Efron um, yeah <laughs> oh, he's so, so handsome right but you know it's those just, muscles yeah, right I mean hey man Baywatch he was looking fine as hell anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, for Morgan Sloat that's the one, because I want him to like get back on his coke train to do more, and, and I want I want Stephen King to do Morgan Slope, the main protagonist, antagonist. There you go. That, okay, that I was looking for, um, and for the sunlight gardener, uh, who is the owner of the really really bad children's home detention yep. center. Uh, I want Chevy Chase. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because sunlight Gardener's of Traders is really f- like slightly overweight, like religious fanatic, like. He wears all white, uh, all white suit with white shoes and a white hat. Like he's like on the verge of being a psychotic person, kind of thing. Well,
0: and Chevy Chase has done so much, uh, like method preparation to play a creep, both like in previous roles and in
1: life. That yeah, uh, I think he's exactly. able to nail that pretty well. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like Chevy Chase. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, for Wolf, uh, just because there was a you know he he was one Benicio del Toro. Would be the okay. worst casting yep. for that ever because he would just be like mumble talking the entire time. And as we, if you've read The Talisman, yep. Wolfie is very, very—he's uh, he got very childish English, but he's very loud and abrasive. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, you need he, a booming voice. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So he would—he uh, would be horrible for that. <laughs> um, and for the father, who was see these next two characters are kind of throwaway in both uh, the serious and the you know fun one. Sure. Because. The mother is in bed the whole movie. You rarely see her, right? So the mother, I picked Katie Seagal because she doesn't need to really be any makeup to look sick. Yeah. She's kind of rough and old looking now. <laughs> um, and then for the father, Philip Sawyer, who you, you, like, you would only see in flashbacks because he's not in the book at all. He's dead. Would be Ron Perlman. Okay. All right. Uh anytime you can cast Rod, Ron Perlman, I'm right. usually on board. I mean, and then it's Ron Perlman and Katie Seagal. It's like again, it's like it's, it's like half of fucking of Anarchy right there. <laughs> like you got Charlie Hunnam.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, you're probably gonna get stuck with Kurt Sutter's writing somewhere in there and a cover sung by Katie Seagal. So Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: <gosh>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gotta take the good with the bad. Oh, yeah, God. I'm not
1: no, I wasn't doing a mock writing uh, mock uh, director or anything like that. No, you know Kurt Sutter needs a leash. It's why Bash Execution are fucking blue. Um so for serious, now these are who I want to cast um, the actual choice. The actual choices yeah, Like yeah. I said In the book Jack Sawyer's 12 I'm giving a little leniency Where you can make him 14 or 15 He's still a kid Who's trying to save his mother Right uh, I don't care Until you're like in your 20 You still have a slight kid mentality I did when I was 18 I'm not gonna lie I wasn't like I wasn't thinking like an adult No god no You know So I wanna pick Noah Schnapp Who was For those of you who don't know Will Byers from Stranger Things Okay Alright Because Jack Sawyer starts out uh, I mean and through the book He is very, very much like timid Mm-hmm. Um and even with the age, Wolf Snap I think is fourteen right now, but he's still smaller. So I think he'd really nail that part. Okay. Um, for Wolf, I would like Ryan Hurst because it, it, okay the, the hair's there, man, and like he's loud, booming, and he's fun. Because Wolf, Wolf is fun in the in the book too when he's not like getting turned into a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets to rip people apart. And there's a whole scene where he just murders a shit at everybody, and the children's. Uh, that's how they escape the children's. Uh, and Reinhurst
0: would be known from. Uh, it's Opie. Sons of yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. saying for the. Oh, oh,
1: yeah. Man, seriously. All right. That was only you listeners. Uh- <laughs> there
0: are some people that may not be familiar enough with the name of the guy that played know I know, I know. I'm, I'm just I'm just picking I'm gonna fuck with you guys
1: like I fuck with everyone else on the panel, okay so a lot, yeah, yeah, seriously. yeah, so yeah, so if you don't know him, he was in he's currently uh newest thing he was on uh was Bates motel and the uh the Outsiders, where he would played uh, uh he was a family member in this show about mountain clan, basically yep. um, but his older stuff uh, originally was Sons of Anarchy. and he was in remember the Titans? if you have seen that? He was the the player that got injured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's and, and he was in Band of Brothers. Um, he's been in, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yep. So um, he's a great actor. He Wolf, Wolfie was uh, Wolf and Jack's vent, uh, adventure was like I said where the heart was at, and Ryan Hurst is the one that put the heart in Sons of Anarchy, in my mind. Yeah, he, he really elevates character.
2: pedestrian material around him. Yeah, and he does a great job with that. Characters that would have just been a cliche instead sure. actually have something to offer, and it's wonderful.
1: Exactly. Um, for his friend Richard. Um, I picked Jack Dylan Grazer. And for those of you who know, know who that is, that is Eddie from It, the remake of It. Okay. Um, and he's also coming out in Shazam, which he looks badass in. It's going to be a fun movie. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, for Morgan Sloat, I picked David Kochner. I think he'd be a good sloat. He's balding. He can get really oh, red. Oh, right. Okay. He, he can get really red in the face. He's kind of portly, and that's the description of Morgan Sloat. Like when, There's times when they so they talk about how how angry Morgan is that his face looks like a beat. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's Koshner all the way. And if you take the David Koshner character from Cheap Thrills, where he's sinister and fucking sadistic, right in that movie. All it, day.
0: I feel like, it, for me, I feel like Cheap Thrills is a spiritual sequel to Anchorman. Because it's like, let's say it's the same character that this is like years later where he's amassed a decent amount of money, but he's also been just so hard into drugs for the longest time that he's become like this sociopath that just doesn't have any real <laughs> feeling about humanity. And just, by the way, if you have not seen Cheap Thrills, oh, I God. highly suggest checking it out. So fun. Last I saw it was still on Amazon Prime, though. I'm not sure if that's the case mm. anymore or not. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I I I bought it. I saw yeah. it once and bought it. It's I don't give a fuck. It's fucking amazing. It's a
2: wonderful riff on the sort of the most dangerous game theme. of. Kind what of. can you get people to do for money? Yes,
1: absolutely. It's so good. And oh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I good. Thoroughly suggest it. Um. For and I I'm we're going with obviously a mock cast because you know whatever. So we uh, I I've tend to choose Alive or Dead because I'm I'm going with I think the perfect cast would be um for the robert sunlight gardener who i mentioned previously was chevy chase fucking michael parks god damn it he Ooh. would you take michael parks from red state and put him in that character he would crush the fuck out of that that is exactly what sunlight gardener was like in the book
0: yeah that was the uh, preacher in red state and he was also the uh, crazed like lunatic like weird dude
1: in tusk doctor slash millionaire slash whatever the fuck he was yeah 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 um and he was also the uh uh, sheriff in Kill Bill, and he was the uh, sheriff in Dust of Dawn that got shot at the beginning.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, he was the. Uh, I mean, Tarantino used him like a lot too. Yeah. Um. So, um, for the mother uh, again, these are these are coming to wear some throwaway characters. The mother and the father again, still. Uh, I, just for I was thinking of when she gets better at the end and she's got to stand up as the queen and as the mom, uh, Charlize Theron, because I mean. I could I could watch that girl all day. Yeah. You just wanted to cast her so you could look at her. Uh you damn right. <laughs> it's like one movie she like shit in and she was meant to and that was Monster, okay? Yeah. Um and that's like one of the few times she got naked, too. I know, right. And I was like, "No." I'll, I'll still take it, whatever. <laughs> I just want to stare at your face. <laughs> um for The Father and this is because he can do heart and I and they're going to have to have some flashback scenes to Jack's memory. Um fucking Sam Rockwell. Oh yeah, another actor that just needs to be cast in everything. Because when it comes to heart, he can crush heart, dude. Like that man like he, oh, it's his it's his voice, his face, everything. Like he, it just melts when he wants to when he gets soulful. Mm-hmm. Like The Way Way Back. Some of those moments oh, in that. Oh my god,
0: that's right? a super underrated movie. Right? I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. There, talk about all the heart he had in that movie. And also just watching Steve Carell play a fucking jackass. And not <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like the playful like
1: oh you jackass, more like fuck you fuck you you piece of shit fuck you yeah jackass yeah and i say this because he's the same casting for both uh fun and serious iterations of this of this cast um for Smokey, who was the uh black man that Mm -hmm. uh, gave jack his elixir fucking samuel jackson because of course either way either way he's either gonna play it straight or he's gonna play it fucking like black snake moon style where he's fucking hokey as shit (laughs) and either way fun Exactly, yeah. and I'm, I know this one's a little bit longer because. The, but these are the only; these are the main characters. Um, I'm assuming with yours, there's only a there. You're a lot more throwaway characters. There are tons of characters in Sleeping
2: Beauties. You don't need them, though. They're all just on screen to fight and die. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this one; these are all the characters you you need. You would, uh, you know you need these characters because they are very um, like they are very important to the story, kind of. Gotcha. So,
0: yeah, that's kind of the hard part is that. Stephen King does write a lot of ensemble stuff which I love you know that's that's part of the reason why I love Joss Whedon stuff so much is he knows how to write ensemble pieces and uh, I see a lot of that with Stephen King as well and I so I I just stuck to the seven big ones uh, big characters for uh, the the long walk uh, which we'll get to in just a second we're gonna take a quick break so you guys can hear about some of the stuff going on in town and uh, and we'll be back in just a second just a few more days left before the end of the Richmond.com and Times Dispatch best of So go to guipodcast.com and click on the link on the homepage to vote for Geeks Under the Influence as the best podcast in Richmond. We appreciate all of our listeners and all that have voted already. Remember, you can vote once a day for Geeks Under the Influence. So please, do us a favor and help us become the best podcast in Richmond. Voting is open till August 5th. Beautiful Disasters is at it again with another B-movie night at Strange Ways Brewing Company. August 16th from 6.30 to 9.00. Come out for our August theme, which is Vigilante Odd Couple. Schlockometer checklist includes Road Trip, It Is a Tumor, Manners or Death, and I Want to Be Your Homicidal Father Figure. This event is free and 21 up. So come out, get your drink on, and enjoy another fantastic schlocky movie night from Beautiful Disasters and Geeks Under the Influence. Everybody's talking about the Space Force. It's in the news everywhere. Well, we decided in honor of America's future in the Space Force, we are rocking another geekified movie night at Fallout. August 19th, we are doing Starship Troopers. That's right. That cult classic is coming to Fallout with our own special brand of interactive fun to go along with it. If you haven't come to a Geekified movie night before, trust me, you do not want to miss this. We give it kind of the Rocky Horror treatment with all sorts of contests and trivia and reenactments, stage readings, and plenty more. So come out August 19th for Starship Troopers Geekified. Find more information at gypodcast.com. We're back to smack my pitch up all about Stephen King adaptations. And so far, we got some good ones. Uh, Mike is doing Sleeping Beauties as an adaptation. Uh, on Brown is taking on The Talisman as uh, as the adaptation. Yeah. And uh, I'm about to get into the willy-nilly of my choice, which is The Long Walk, one of the Bachman books by Stephen King, and my choices for an adaptation. So I went with uh, funny and serious choices. I'll run down the funny choices first. So part of the problem I was running into with The Long Walk is there's a lot of teenage characters and I didn't want to quite go like 90s kids sitcom with it and just cast 25 to 28 year olds as kids. (laughs) Um, uh, So I decided to make it way worse and do like the uh, do the Wet Hot American Summer the first day of camp thing and just (laughs) cast adults as playing teenagers. Just straight up they're supposed to be teenagers like people in their 40s. And no better way to do that than just straight up Rip off Wet Hot American Summer. So David Wayne will be directing The Long Walk. Uh, He's the director of Wet Hot American Summer and role models and uh, all that funny shit uh, with the cast of characters being some that you may be familiar with from Wet Hot American Summer. So the major is the uh, the head of the military that's in charge of The Long Walk. He's the guy kind of calling all the calling all the shots for The Long Walk. He's the old grizzled military man. And uh no better person to play that than a dude that fucks a fridge. Uh Christopher Maloney will be the major. As
1: uh in that character from, <laughs> In that character. I, yes. From, oh, oh, oh!
0: But it's not just fridges anymore. It's also like the sides of control panels and tanks and <laughs> anything else. Yes. Get his get his yes! grips on. Oh, he's so good. The uh main character, Raymond uh, Davis Garrity. I initially wanted Paul Rudd to play, but I kind of like him playing the dick, much like Wet Hot America Summer, where he's the self-important dude. So I decided to go with Michael Ian Black mm. as the main character there. Mm. So I, I think he's going to be able to play the the more like kind of soft-spoken, uh, like nice guy with a little bit of tood mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good choice. The uh, Stebbins is one of the main characters in the Long Walk. Uh, comes out later on in the book. Uh, spoilers that Stebbins is the illegitimate child of the major, who in this case is Christopher Maloney. So I was trying to think who would be the best choice for Stebbins in the book is this kind of like a little bit chubby, kind of shorter kid, uh, not one that you would really consider to be a real contender for this, wearing like sweatpants and uh, and with like prepackaged peanut butter and jellies, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. So I wanted somebody that had that kind of non-athletic feel and the best choice, also from Wet Hot American Summer, is Motherfucking David Hyde Pierce as <laughs> yeah.
1: Stebbins. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Indoor Kids. The Indoor, the indoor Kids.
0: kids. Yes, yes, exactly. The uh, main antagonist, Gary uh, Barkovich, is uh, this this shit talking kid that was just basically freaking out all the other kids on the long walk about how they're all he's going to dance on their graves and just a piece of shit. Uh, that also leads to one of the kids being killed because he's trying to fight this dude. I figured that would be the right role for Paul Rudd because Paul Rudd can be hilarious and shit talk at the same time. Like his shit talk is quite wonderful a lot of the time. I agree. Yes. Yeah, he
2: nailed it in that movie. He's been too friendly in recent films.
0: Yeah, I like it when he plays the dick because you're still kind of rooting for him when he's (laughs) the dick.
1: Well, you remember when he played uh, uh, the Scarface character in Reno 911? Oh, God. Coke dealer. He (laughs) wore the white suit and everything. It was so fucking good. Fuck, yes.
0: (laughs) See, I, I want to see Paul Rudd as the bad guy. I think he's he would just have so much fun with it. Uh, Scram, that's the uh, older kid that's married and has a kid and stuff. Um, so you wanted somebody that's kind of dad bodish a little bit uh, and um, just has that kind of like dorky dad kind of tone to him. And I figured Ken Marino would knock that out of the park. <laughs> All right. If you're unfamiliar with him from Wet Hot American Summer, he was also the stepdad in Role Models, the one that just didn't understand why his kid played, like, LARPing and shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> he just has that kind of, like, pseudo-jockey, like, probably has a small TV in the garage next to his fridge full of beer, kind of, like, mm-hmm. dad kind of attitude about things. Um, then there's uh, McVirus, um, which is the kid that ends up becoming the the, the closest to, uh, to Garrity. Ends up being kind of his closest friend along the long walk. It's a kid that has a scar on his face. Uh, there's a very interesting backstory with him as well that uh, we just don't have time to get into the the deep, the deep uh, nuances of the story. Read it, read it's it. Excellent, read it. But with yes. Michael Ian Black being Raymond Davis Garrity, of course, Michael Showalter would be mm. the the, the <laughs> correct choice for his closest bud. They'd be able to play off each other really fucking well in this case. And then uh, uh, Jan is the girlfriend. That's the the girl that like he's as he goes on this walk further and further, even though he kind of sort of like made out with another chick along the way, um, which was a very interesting story where he's just gets so horned up and with the thought of him dying at any moment, he's like, yep, going to make out with this fucking chick, uh, which wasn't his girlfriend, but Jan who ends up, he realizes just how much he cares about her through the, uh, the, the entire story um, with Michael Ian black as Garrity. I figured Molly Shannon, would be a good choice. <laughs> I
1: was waiting, wondering if she was going to show up. Oh, yeah. Molly Shannon? Any, t- any chance
0: I have to cast her, I will. <laughs> Superstar. It was either that or Janine Garofalo, but I figured Molly Shannon would be a much f- more
1: fun choice there.
2: And then you save Elizabeth Banks for the girl in the crowd to make out with.
1: There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Because, I mean, she kind of was a slut in Amer- without American Summer, so there you go. Perfect. Yeah.
0: So uh, that's the, da- the David Wayne uh, long walk, because, you know... all. I thought about actually going the opposite way and just casting like fucking children. I mean like eight and nine year old kids to get shot in the face and I'm like, that's too dark. Like that's, Oh, that's, that's that's
1: almost worse than yeah, the fucking story. Yeah, that's Jesus real. Jesus Christ. We had a one up Stephen King, dude. Jesus <laughs> Just bring back that kid from Jerry
0: Maguire. The human head, head weighs eight pounds, but it weighs a lot less, kid. Boom. You know, like that'd be that'd
1: be a little bit much. And that's nope. the
0: second smack my pitch up that I've mentioned that kid. So yeah. <laughs>
1: So okay, I, I got a question. Okay, so where where's uh you mentioned went on American summer? You remember there have been two uh, series, the before and then the ten years later series on Netflix. Um, speaking with the before uh first day of camp, uh, series one. Where's uh, H John Benjamin? I don't I don't see I don't hear him anywhere. Well, there's other characters that I just didn't want to get
0: too deep into oh, on okay. casting. There's the kids that I think they call themselves the Musketeers or something, but it's a group that kind of bonds together really early on, and so you could definitely get a lot of these other um. The other these other guys, H. John Jip, Benjamin, and and
1: he could be like the announcer towards the end when like they're getting to the finish line. Because remember, there's like it's not the major at that point. It's like the announcer for the crowd, sure, talking about you know here they come, blah blah, blah yada yada. Like he could be like just do it in the just do it in that. Actually, like Archer. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. A <laughs> <And> drunk Archer. <laughs> and then also, he's like, Chicken and Waffles! <laughs> and though, I don't think he was
0: in Wet Hot American Summer, but you get Paul F. Tompkins to be his, like, guy next to him. Yes. Uh, doing the co-announcing. <laughs> and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Fucking A. So, my serious, I decided to go, actually, with children. And the hardest part for me with that is not casting literally everyone in Stranger Things and the roles there. Because they're fucking amazing kids. And we were talking on the break that basically... Kids around that age are fucked because all the rules are going to go to these kids moving forward. I mean, they, they they have shown that they have the real acting talent, so it makes it really difficult not to cast them in everything. I've got one Stranger Things kid. The rest I was able to figure out pretty solid choices for. Your restraint is admirable. It, no shit, right? It was a challenge, to say the least. So the director, uh, we had talked about Darabont's Dur- a pretty easy choice, but I wanted to kind of look at another director who else would be a really good choice for this. And uh, I went with a director based on his merits with uh, three films exactly that uh, I think could really knock it out, out of the park. I wanted the the serious version to be kind of just this stoic kind of like slower paced um, kind of it, it's about a long walk. So you don't want something that's like actiony, you know, you want something that has this kind of like rolling, like tone to it and uh, rolling impending doom is what you want. Right. Yeah. And uh, this, this guy has definitely uh, done that with a few films, actually one of which being the road. So talk about guys walking for a while. Like he's already gotten that shit covered. He also did the, uh, the proposition, uh, which was a uh, Western uh, set in Australia. And he's done a bunch of stuff with, uh, with uh, Nick cave. He did an episode of black mirror. He's uh, he also did lawless, Ooh, I yeah, like So, uh, we're talking about John Hillcoat the director. He's a fantastic director. He's done both music videos and these really like tonally kind of like slow paced, dark, kind of, uh, almost ethereal, uh, pieces that, that I, I think really would work well with the, with the long
1: walk. Uh, and I got, I got to agree. People don't give, uh, I don't think people give the movie Lawless its, its, its due. Um, there was a there was some dark shit in that movie. Very much so. You know, um and people and the whole movie just like the, the undertone of it was just this dark um uh, cuz you know the people looked at it at face value. It's like, ah, oh, it's about bootleggers in Franklin County, Virginia. Okay. Woo. No, there's some it's just, you know, there's a lot more to it. Exactly. Yeah, It's sort exactly. of
2: an apocalyptic end of an era thing. The wild bunch for bootlegging. Yeah, it's, pretty no, much. Exactly.
1: It was it, uh, yeah. So I figured I agree.
0: That this is a director that I think would really be able to fix that tone to this and make it something special and uh, I, th- I think it's a pretty good uh, cast here of some pretty solid actors, uh kids, mostly uh in these roles. So the first one, of course, is the the major the the grizzled old like major that is in charge of the shit and probably in my version is just a raging alcoholic. he does not give a shit, like he's just like kind of gotten put in charge of this and he just could not give a shit about anyone or anything. He's just so burned out and done with everything that he's just like this broken man in charge of killing kids. And uh, I think Liam Neeson would fucking knock it out of the park in that role. (laughs) Just like, I don't give a shit about
1: you kind of tone. I think Liam Neeson would do quite well in that. (laughs) Wait no, we, but we could get we could. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of another funny thing. You could do Liam Neeson funny too, and he just does like love actually Liam Neeson when he's talking to the kids. Oh right. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're talking about taking Liam Neeson where he's just this fucking angry, yeah, angry man. Uh, now the rest
0: are, are kids basically. So the first, uh, the main character uh, Raymond Davis Garrity, wanted a kid with acting chops. There's got a really, there's a whole arc to this character that's really well-defined. You want uh, both the, like, pretty well-put-together, good head-on-shoulders, smart kid to just completely broken by the end of it. And uh, this is a character that was not given the right uh, script, I think, for one of my favorite sci-fi films, but in his own right has been in a number of films and acted his ass off. Uh, Asa Butterfield, also known as Ender from Ender's Game, Mm, he's been yeah a, he's been in a bunch of stuff uh hugo and and a bunch of other movies and he's an, an a really good kid actor he he has the ability to really emote well and also seem kind of that level of innocence that i wanted in in the main character as well so i think that would be a good uh, that would be a good choice for for uh raymond davis garrity now the majors kid stebbins I wanted kind of a dorky kid, and I couldn't think of a better dorky kid than uh, the kid from the Goldbergs, uh, Sean uh, Gambrone,
1: <laughs> the curly-haired
0: young kid yeah. from Goldbergs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think with the glasses and the curly hair, and I think he would probably be able to play just kind of the the awkward majors kid, like illegitimate kid kind of deal, pretty well. I think I think that would translate relatively well. Kind of quiet, the quiet kid, you know. <laughs> Next one is uh, the Gary Barkovich, or the main antagonist, the the dickhead. And a kid that I know can play fucking shitty is uh, Cameron Monaghan, also known as
1: Jerome from Gotham. (laughs) Yes. But he's like in his 20s. But he can still play young. Yeah, no, okay, he could. I guess guess because I've been following on Shameless, it's kind of hard for me to see him. Because I saw him, like, when he started Shameless, he was like 16. So that was like eight years ago. So I guess for me, it's kind of like just watching him grow in that show. Yeah. That's all. But he, he does have a baby face. Yeah. He, he can, has a fucking baby face. He can play a little face. bit younger.
0: Now, Scram, the married guy, I wanted somebody that's definitely kind of like older, but, um, and this is, yeah, I think he's in his 30s now, Uh, but he can also play younger. And I feel needs another chance to kind of do a grizzled role, Um, and but still kind of play the nice guy, Um, is Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. Get get him in there. Mm-hmm. I I think uh he he would have some fun with the role of the, like the the like young adult type dude that knocked up his girlfriend and he's actually kind of stoked about it even though it's not the right time and you can play him like dealing with all the trials and tribulations and and horrors of things but still genuinely down to, to his bones is a good dude. Yeah, yeah. So, I think okay. I think he'd be able to pull that off. Now, here's the here's the Stranger Things kid for uh McVirez or Scar, the closest friend to Garrity. I wanted somebody that was going to be Jokey and playful and like supportive and like a really good friend and there's almost no better friend um, than Gatton.
1: You know, say Dustin. You Dustin. You, had, you picked Dustin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course I picked Dustin. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, because yeah, I love that little kid so fucking much. So uh, Gatton uh, Mat- Matarazzo is his last name apparently, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> plays Dustin on Stranger Things. He's adorable as hell. He's he's so charismatic and funny and just a fun dude. Even outside of Stranger Things, he can sing his face off and he's just just a fun dude and i think he'd be great as the as the kind of the sidekick character the the buddy of the main character and then finally jan the girlfriend i yeah it's really hard to cast kids uh, but i think this is an actress that has definitely showed her ability to act her face off and i think uh, this would be a good chance for her to show that she can do more than just uh really really good television uh macy williams from game of thrones
1: Mm. Okay she's,
0: she's the appropriate age I think she'd be able to uh, That That's the right age Grouping there And she has Definitely shown her, Herself the ability To
1: uh, To uh, act her face off So <sighs> What was that Oh my goodness I, I, Nothing What was that It didn't pick up On the mic That's fine yeah, yeah, yeah. You Fucking <laughs> but no, that, I think that's a good call How old is she now uh, She's She's right around
0: 18 or 19 But that's close okay. enough That she can shave off A couple years For Okay For the role
1: uh, no, but I, but I meant, like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, back when Game of Thrones started, Jesus,
2: yeah, again, <laughs> little kid back when it started, yeah, yeah right, yeah. years back.
1: It's it's weird when you follow. That's what I was saying with with uh, um, the actor who played Jer- Jerome in Gotham. Like, when, uh, I've been following, like, I've been watching Same list in season one, and like these, you know, that's they literally just fit, they're going into their ninth season. So I'm like looking at some of these actors. I'm like, damn, I've watched them through their basically their childhood career, yeah, because that's when they got big. That's that that was the main brunt of their work. That got them where they are now, you know, is Game of Thrones, and with him, it's Shameless. Yep. You know, he he, he came in on the, he did come in on Gotham at the beginning, but there was a lag without him there, and they yep. brought him back. So, yeah, and did not know that, they also brought him back for a, a an alternate twin character. They loved <laughs> him so much. Like, No, we want we want you to keep doing what you do, bro. Yeah, Just right. Keep doing what <laughs> Just you keep do. keep on going. Did you, you? Well, you you stopped watching Gotham, right? Yes, I did. Okay. Yep. Have you? I'm not all the way caught up. But you, you intend to
0: late, watch it. and right? I'm enjoying it quite okay. a bit. Okay. It it got to where Fish Mooney came back, and I'm like, I hate this character so hey, much. Yeah, she's gone again. Sure so you go. Okay, cool. That's cool. All right. Sorry, oh, I'll just have to suffer through.
1: <laughs> I liked Fish. Oh, fuck I that, hated dude. Fish Mooney. Talk about overacting. Jada Pinkett Smith <laughs> oh my God. overacted like a motherfucker. <laughs> and here's the thing.
0: I've seen her act well. I know she's capable of it.
1: We've all seen Man of Society, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. You fucking killed it in that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> She was just Jada Pinkett then, though. Yeah. She wasn't married to Will Smith. Maybe she took some cues from Will Smith and was like, oh, I can't act. Yeah. Damn right. it. <laughs> All right. So
0: now we're, we're done with our casting choices and our directors and our, our ideas for the adaptations of uh, what we're doing. So now, quick, quickly before we do our inner world, uh, we're going to talk about some of the other Stephen King stories that we'd love to adapt. So, anybody Eat got it. some ideas? We're just going to kind of lightning round it, just come up with a few. Uh, Lowdown
1: the stand can i get the stand sure please yeah. can i get the stand yeah can i get like what was supposed to happen like three fucking movies of the stand can i get that god damn it well if we want let's uh, let's not go down cast list because we definitely don't have the time no no but no, if, no. If, Just, if you have an idea for maybe your director on who you'd want to do the stand honestly it, it was supposed to be ben affleck and i'm fucking okay with that because everything he's directed has been fucking baller as shit yeah. everything he has directed right look at the town fucking argo right like i mean the man has directed gold good fucking movies like I I'll give him that. I'd okay. give him the stand. And that would also be a true test cuz that's it's a it's away from his wheelhouse. He's um he's got to deal with uh you know post apocalyptic yep. and you know restarting over. Yeah. I <laughs> that's when he makes the phone
0: call to Kevin Smith. He's like, "Dude, I know we've been talking in a while, but you like this nerd shit. What should I do?"
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> totally true, but I mean, I, when I read that, I'm like, "Okay, like as I've seen what he can do for directing and I'm like, I'm I'm in if you're trying to do this, because yeah. I think you know what you need to do. You know what I mean?
2: All right. I want to see A Very Tight Place, which is one of the short stories from Just After Sunset, mm. something not a lot of people realize about Stephen King. The guy has a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and some of his short stories are really where he lets that shine, and something like Quitter's, Inc. from the 80s, which was just oh, so made so into so a wonderful piece of an anthology. Yep. Um, And I think this could work as a wonderful spoof of survival films. The plot follows a man who's locked in a port and knows he's ultimately going to have to swim through a lagoon of poo to get out, and uh, it's kind of like you could easily riff on something like 127 hours while doing this. And uh, there's only two men on earth
0: who can pull off that level of gross out: Tim and Eric. Mm. Hell yeah! And well, I will say though that you can't call it a very tight place. You would have to call it Poo Lagoon. Like you would have to.
1: <laughs>
2: the creature from the Poo, poo Lagoon. lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: writing that down as an option for the title yes oh it's so good
1: <laughs>
0: oh. uh, the one that I had talked about on the break that I really think I would it, it's well overdue for an adaptation was a story that started out as a children's story for his for his kid I believe and then he decided to actually adapt it into a full uh, full book is the eyes of the dragon Yes. Which is kind of a medieval, kind of like Dark Ages kind of dragon's story um, that that he developed about basically like a a royal family and the the terrible things that go on and the kid ends up being locked in a tower forever, I think, for the longest time. It's,
1: it's, It's also a tie to the Dark Tower world. It is, it is.
2: Features pretty much his greatest character ever.
1: Yeah. What, Flag? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, Flag is the ultimate villain across like any of the epic Stephen King stories yeah definitely it's, it's it's his thing he and he's just, had
0: different names and different stories but ultimately like it's supposed to be the same character well Walter
1: throughout. O'Dim is his OG name and uh, Flag is his name in the stand yeah um, yeah so yeah I think Eyes of the Dragon
0: <laughs> and as far as casting goes um, I mean I, I would probably just cast everybody from Game of
1: Thrones that would be the easy take there <laughs> I
0: mean seriously dude
1: go with it fuck it they're great actors And
0: as far as like medieval like fantastical fantasy I mean it's a pretty safe bet with Peter Jackson like
1: like he he'd, okay. he'd
0: uh, it's definitely a smaller film than he's used to in that element
1: like I was going to say far smaller can we get Peter Jackson from like like when he did like just the original Lord of the Rings trilogy can we not get Hobbit Peter Jackson. Where he actually, you no. Know, no, I'm, I'm going to recant
0: that. I think uh, actually, because it's a more nuanced and smaller story, uh Guillermo
1: is the better choice. Ooh, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think he would yes. be a better fucking Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo would fucking oh, kill it. Give me, give me him on a Stephen King adaptation. All <laughs> fucking A, dude. Hell yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. All I mean, right. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's a few that. You, I mean, if you've read. A vast amount of Stephen King. I mean, there's there's tons of shit that oh, they tons. haven't done that they, they really need to tackle, and there's reasons. I was like, why? Some of them are simple. It's like, why haven't you just done this? Like, Netflix has crushed it, okay? Two in a year. All right, we got 1922, which is a, a story that, again, yeah, you could easily make that into a movie, but I never thought they would, and they made a slow-burner fucking epic out of that. That movie was fucking terrifying when it needed to be terrifying, and it was funny when it needed to be funny. It was goddamn awesome. And Gerald's Game, I can't think of a better way to adapt that book than the way they did That's it. That's a hard adaptation too. It's a,
2: I thought it was an unfilmable novel. Yeah. Apparently not. The, they fucking stuck the right? landing.
1: They crushed it. Like, fucking loved it. Both of those were awesome. So just, that you can't tell me that everything of his can be adapted. If you adapt Gerald's game, you can adapt anything by Stephen yeah, King. fair. It's just that simple. Right. Maybe see a, a, another version of uh, Trucks or
0: <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. There's already been two. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. There's, There's no, no reason to remake
1: it. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, fuck both of you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So, next up, of course, is the trailers where we uh, do our oh, little off the cuff <laughs> versions of our version of the film, whether it be the funny one or the serious one, either way. And uh, we just kind of run with it. So, um, is there anybody that wanted to go first necessarily or. I mean, I can go first if if okay. So I'll so go first. We'll learn from you. Who wants to go second, and who wants to go last?
1: I'll go
0: second. Okay, then Mike, I'll you're, close it out. you're the caboose on this <laughs> uh, on this fucking yeah, fail, you are. this failure train that's about to happen here. So <laughs> let me get the music together, and then I'll get uh, started with my. I think I'm gonna do the David Wayne. I think uh, I think that's the way I'm gonna go with this uh, no, trailer okay. here. We
1: get to pick the music, or yeah, yeah. Okay, let
0: me uh, let me get that keyed up one second.
1: Raymond Davis Garrity had a hard
0: time finding friends, until one day his mom signs him up for a little trip down south. This summer, the long walk, threatened with murder, Raymond Davis Garrity meets Stebbins, Gary, Scram, McVears, and a whole slew of other kids on a walk through history. This summer, the long walk. Uh, yeah so that was terrible um, my, my version so lowdown, you're gonna be fine uh, whatever you end oh, up doing is no, gonna be better I doubt than doubt what... it I seriously doubt
1: it okay <laughs> well
0: we will see here in just a second let me uh, get your music together are you ready to go mm-hmm.
1: what would you do if your world got turned upside down completely erased everything you knew just to find there was a whole other world that you belong to. This Christmas, find out how one young man overcomes all the obstacles. Friends become enemies. Enemies become allies in the territories. J.J. Abrams brings you, on Christmas, The Talisman, starring Noah Schnapp, Ryan Hurst, and Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. that's it. I, that's it. That's all I got. I was trying <laughs> to think of things like I, I got nothing.
0: That wasn't bad. It sounded like you weren't even interested in seeing the movie, though. I know. Was like, I was like, well, this, the music. This. I was
1: trying to keep it like in the in the pace with the yeah, music and exactly. stuff. Yeah, I yeah. was like, uh.
0: You had to, You just needed to do that like Harry Potter whimsy like this Christmas. Yeah. I, I, where it's like almost borderline sexual predator. You know like it's,
1: <laughs> But there's like, a line right on I line. would totally be a sexual predator. It's like a, <laughs> there's a line I'm not going to cross it. Not with that. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, let me get Mike's Choice so, of music dude, you, you, up here You've got, you got all the betterness going That's right the thing, there. you
0: don't have a very high bar to meet here, sir Not With your all. Fast and the Furious meets Stephen King uh, Post-apocalyptic road trip uh, movie that you're That's a good thing, we're about to bring the stupid Okay, alright, well let <laughs> let us bring the stupid then Here we go with the music
2: The women are all asleep The men are all killing each other And the only man who can save the earth Is a woman Margot Robbie and Jason Statham have to put their differences aside to survive as thousands of mercenaries try to kill them. It'll take everything they've got to stay alive, and even more to stay awake.
1: Sleeping Beauties, <laughs> motherfucker! Dude, you killed it, right? That, that was fucking good. That was I'm, fucking
0: good, man. I am angry with you. That was good. No. Bravo, sir.
1: None of, the, none of these Bravo. are supposed to be
0: good. They're all supposed to suck.
1: No. God damn it, I would see that movie. <laughs> no shit. Well done, sir. Well done. I gotta give gotta give it to you on that. That was good. That was Holy fucking shit. good. All right. right? Yeah. yeah, no, that
0: was yeah, that, that was, was good. That was very good. I'm 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 disappointed
1: in us. I feel like we
0: we disappoint I'm disappointed
1: this? in you. You you host this every fucking week. All right. I, this is the second time I've been on, so you can you can just you know deal with yourself. I'm okay with it. You, I'm i I'm okay with
0: being shitty at this every time, so
1: like <laughs> it's like um, uh yeah, it may, the music might have something to do with it. Like like I said, I yeah. was very down and I was trying to just go with See, the music. I,
0: I have no pride left. I've been podcasting for three and a half years. Like, <laughs> like I mean, just, hey eh. Yeah, at this point, you know what?
1: My cast was baller as shit, so the trailer, you know, you know, that's not that's not my duty. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, carry on the conversation with us if you have any other Stephen King stories that you're interested to see our take on the adaptations and stuff. um, You know, comment on our social media when this comes out. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram the ideas that you have for some Stephen King adaptations and, uh, you know, keep this conversation going. As always, we release this once a week, uh, smack my pitch up. So tune in next week at GUI podcast.com or, uh, subscribe would be wonderful. If you subscribe to the geek, some of the influence stream on iTunes or stitcher, any of your pod catchers, uh, we would appreciate it greatly and make sure to rate us. If that's an option on your, your choice of a pod app. And uh, it just rises up in the rankings. Lets other people uh, listen to this stupidity, and we would appreciate it. So, join us here next week. I'm Mike the Hobbit Bicket. You just got pitch smacked. <laughs>
1: <Price. laughs>
0: GuiPodcast.com. This is Mike the Hobbit direct from Fallout on a trivia night telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25 cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.